Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Gabriel Talks Football is a production of the Barroom Network. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at G-G-A-B-E football and follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. If you prefer to see the video version of this show, just go to YouTube and search Barroom Network. You'll see a list of our live shows and Gabriel Talks Football is there. Welcome everyone to a freshly dejected episode of Gabriel Talks Football, GTF. My name is Aldo Gandia. And before we begin, uh, about uh, 20 minutes before we went live here, the Bears Live 96 posted this, and excuse the language, this one was different. Not sure I've seen a damaged and traumatized fan base like this before with this team. Unfucking prepared for week one rival, outcoached, outclassed, gutless performance, and he issued one more thought. My first high sp- heartbreak in high school, and damn high school doesn't hurt like this shit does. Call it overreaction. But coordinators' heads should be rolling today if they want to send a message to anyone, fans included. So obviously no one's going to get fired today, but we are going to sift through the damage with the man who can do it best, and his name is Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not at hell at all working like I used to because when you go in the day after a loss, it's not fun. Um, you know, it was a little better sitting here in my study talking to you. But like, just you're reading that thing, and I saw the reactions on X last night and uh, this morning. You know, a lot of it is overreaction because everybody expected a win. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wanted to win. They didn't win. You know what? The New York Jets fan, or New York Giants fans feel the same way. The Cincinnati Bengals fans feel the same way. You could go through teams that thought they were going to get off to big starts and they didn't. Shit happens in this league. You know, why it happened? I don't know. Do I, am I going to say they got out coached? No. You know, some things went the wrong way and it started early. Uh, and I didn't know Komet had fought until Flu said it in the, in the presser after Komet had fumbled the snap on that first sneak. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that bottled up that whole play. They probably should have done the same damn play again, again, but uh, you know, you can second guess. I saw some people saying, why did, why did they do that instead of punting early in the game? Because he wanted to get some momentum. I get it. Um, hey, it, it's over with. It's on to the next week. It's not the end of the world. I know everybody wants to think it's the end of the world and they want to hear me bitch. And you know me, I, I don't have a negative bone in my body. I look for the positive. You look for the positive, but there weren't any yesterday or were there? Um, there weren't a whole lot. I mean, you know, you, you could say some things like people might say, let's... The first half was a decent first half. I mean, they were in the game. It's 10 to 6. And um, you think, okay, if they hold them, make a punt on on their first drive to open the second half, then you got a chance to go down and take the lead. And what happens is Green Bay comes out and they just kick Chicago's ass, you know, so to speak, on that first 
uh, game. But, you know, going back then, to the, I think it was a drive after that, the first Bears drive, and on second down uh, fields, might have been first down, tries that bootleg. And some people might say, well, Braxton Jones missed the block on the edge. He didn't miss the block at all. Everybody was blocking down to the right side, and the edge was coming free. And the hope is that the edge is going to bite on all the action going the other way, and it's going to give uh, Fields the time to, to do the bootleg. Guy made a great play. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was one play that Wright got beat real bad um, by uh, what the hell's the Packers edge guy? Uh, but there was a penalty on it, so it didn't count as getting beat. Other than that, he held up. I didn't like the way Cole played. Rashawn Gary, right? Yeah, Rashawn Gary. I mean, he beat him bad, but didn't count. Uh, I, I Cody Whitehair got beat real bad inside. I won't play. I'm not so sure if, if it's me. I, I put because he's bigger, brawnier. It is put Carter on the left side if he can do it, and mm-hmm. put Whitehair back at center. Uh, until Tevin is ready. But I'll tell you what won't surprise me. Now you're at, your game one's done. You can get sign some veterans this week. Mm-hmm. And they don't, their salary's not guaranteed. It's week to week. And I would not be a bit surprised if you see a couple changes in personnel today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, there's a lot to unpack with what you've said here at the start of the show. Uh, let's just go back to the Cole Komet uh, on the center play. Why? I mean, we saw that that was strictly out of the Matt Nagy playbook. And in fact, in the Thursday night game, Matt Nagy ran that same play. And so it's almost as Luke Getz and the Bears offensive coordinators are tone deaf. This stuff didn't work when Nagy was here. It's not working with Nagy in Kansas City. These trick plays, all you need is a yard. You know, I got one thing. The Bears powered down their throats. Nagy wasn't calling the plays. Andy was. Well, I don't know it, that. Look like, it made it look like on the one play Andy or, or Nagy was calling stuff. Andy calls the freaking plays. I don't know about that. Well, I think if you call up Kansas City, you'll find out that, that Andy was calling the plays. But, right. well, you know, that's for way, another time. Either way, it's just – it's not smart football <laughs> to get somebody who handles no snaps the entire game on an important play like that, to have him handle the snap – you, you've got a guy who does it Okay, the game, the, the quarterback. I, I, I get it. And and then you should have had the – you could theoretically have blasting game lined up behind him and do the push. Uh, it, it didn't work. If it had worked, everybody's saying, oh, what a great play. Mm-hmm. Correct? I mean, you know. Absolutely. But the okay, fact but is that it rarely it works. Work. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it rarely works because they've done the play before. They did it last year. Yeah, I don't remember last year, but uh, did it work last year? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, he, he, he bobbled a snap, period. Um, and I'm not making any excuses. That's just what happens. Stuff, stuff happens in games that you don't like. And, and believe me, although I'm not going to sit here and bitch, am I disappointed? Damn right, I'm disappointed. Because mm-hmm. I expected more. I, I, I just don't think the whole... What's the word I want? The intensity level mm-hmm. was not there. 
Yeah. And you and I talked about that. Remember when I, when I, in our last show, I talked about the importance of the Bears really setting up the players to know about the rivalry. I was worried about Iberflus really getting the team up for uh, the game and coming out of the tunnel and not being flat. And it just seemed like all those concerns I had it became reality. Well, you know, supposedly he had shown videos, especially to the younger players that were designed to build that up. Um, You know, he said, Larry's got that thing about Nate Davis. I I don't have the answer to that. You know, I have to, I haven't watched the, uh, the tape yet, the all 22. Sure. Because I had to get some reports in for my real job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this morning, and I do that first thing in the morning, every morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I will do that. Uh, yeah, you can go back, and I, I, I don't agree with David Haw too much, but he had a had a post yesterday saying, you know, maybe preseason is important, and in this case, a lot of key guys missed a lot of preseason time. Yeah, and so it was their first real game action was yesterday Mm -hmm. but you know it's over with now it's you you can piss and moan I guess you know flu says you got 24 hour rule so you got and other coaches do the same thing you know you 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 piss and moan for 24 hours and Tuesday you better be ready to play again Mm -hmm. uh you go back to the drawing board you find out what the hell you did wrong why it went wrong that's that's the key. Why did certain plays go wrong? Right. Uh, you know, and, and like there's a, what's the reasonable explanation for DJ Moore? Uh, Pepe has there. I don't have a reasonable explanation because I haven't watched the all 22, you know, so how they had him covered or what they did to, to scheme against him. So I, you know, I don't have the answers yet right now. Um, I will but I just don't have them now. Uh, The best thing you can do situation like this is try to, and I'm, I'm doing this, saying this from my experience is you, you sit in with the players, you go over the whole tape, you go through the corrections, why they did it wrong. If you're going to make, there could be guys that lose their job over that game but it's going to be players, not coaches. Right. And then, you know, players, what it gets down to players got to play the freaking game. And if players play the game, the way they're supposed to play, you win the game. And if they don't execute, you don't win the game. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought green Bay had a good game plan. LaFleur called a, a, a good game. Their defense, I knew their defense was going to be stout, and their defense was stout. They played damn good. Mm -hmm. But that game still, at halftime, was for the taking. And Green Bay came out and took it, and the Bears didn't. Let's take a look at Justin Fields' number. And I know when Dan comes in in about the – 30 minutes or so he's going to talk a lot about Justin Fields because he was very unhappy with the performance these were the numbers for Justin Fields 24 out of 37 216 yards passing a touchdown an interception thrown he rushed for 59 yards he was sacked four times out of 27 let's talk about that first the, the sacks 
Did you think that the offensive line did an A job, B job, C job, D job, or they failed? C, C minus. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, no, let's go back. Green Bay was doing some stunning and some blitzing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And which, you know, can make it harder to pass protect. And I'm going to go, go back. To, I'm going to turn this around a little bit. The Bears don't do that. They always rush four. And it baffles me as why. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got, and, and especially with Tremaine Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds is a very effective pass rusher or blitzer, if you want to change the term. Yes. Um, and has shown production in that, be it a, a pressure or a sack. And yet they just go with the four man pressure. And Green Bay's line's not that bad. So you need more. You know, you, you, you send a fifth guy, you're liable. They got some pressures, but if you send a fifth guy, you might get more sacks. Mm-hmm. No matter who it is. But it's going to make it that much more difficult. You got five on four when, when you're just sending four. You send a fifth. Now everybody's in a one-on-one situation. And maybe you set up your blitz in such a way that that fifth guy's unaccounted for. Well, you switched over to the defense, so let's me put up this graphic here of the defense. These are the new guys that were acquired by Ryan Poles during the offseason. T.J. Edwards, uh, according to ESPN stats, had 14 tackles. Tremaine Edmonds, eight tackles, two of them for a loss. And Dakwe had four tackles, two for a loss, one sack. Demarcus Walker, two tackles, one tackle for a loss. And Andrew Billings, two tackles. Uh and uh, your overall impression of the new guys on the defense? Well, when you're looking at the numbers, that's the way the numbers should look. The linebackers should be making the plays. Mm-hmm. Um, the interior defensive line, I thought, was was hot and cold. All told, I thought Billings played pretty well. Did not like the way... Jones played again. I'm saying this without having rewatched sure. the game, um, but I thought the the two young guys, mm-hmm. Dickens and Dexter, mm-hmm. they flashed when they were in there, and and in fact, um, Pickens was very disruptive on one play mm-hmm. down by the goal line, and uh, his quickness off the ball is is unbelievable, and. I think he's earned himself more play time. I've always thought he's a three, you know, just they got him playing at the nose. I get it. But if he's the quickest guy off the ball and the most disruptive, why don't you put him at the most, you know, at the most important position, mm-hmm. you know, you follow what I'm saying? Sure. Um, again, and I'm throwing darts at the wall because, you know, they, they got, reasons why everybody's playing. But I thought even when they drafted him, I thought Dexter was going to be the one and he's the three and and Pickens was going to be the three and not the one, but it is what it is. Um, But by main fault, I I thought the safety play was not good at all. Mm -hmm. You know, there were, there was blown coverages on the safety play corners. Not too bad. In fact, I thought they, they'd, go after Stevenson more than they did. He gave up a touchdown. He actually had good coverage on the play. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't. He, the corners held up 
fairly well over the course of the game. It's the safeties. And then uh, TJ Edwards got beat real bad by, by Jones. And, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why they single up a linebacker on a guy like that. And they've been doing it, you know, they did it before Flues came and, and since Flues comes, that's a mismatch, especially if you got a speedy back like Jones. Yeah, it seems to be a trend in the NFL to do that. Let's take a look at Romeo Dobbs' uh, touchdown, his first touchdown of the game. And I thought Greg Olson did a splendid job of explaining why Dobbs was open uh, in the um, uh, in the end zone. So uh, you'll see Tremaine Edmonds is in the middle here, and he's going to pick up the running back coming out of the backfield. And so that's going to leave the middle of the field totally open, which is then Eddie – uh, Jackson's responsibility. We'll see the, the TV replay here, the TV coverage of it here, and then we'll see the All-22, the one that Fox TV presented. I, I shot it off their TV screen. There's uh, Edmonds circled. He's going to pick up the linebacker coming out, or excuse me, the running back coming right, out of right. the field or the tight end, and there goes Eddie Jackson. He so should have leverage to the inside, but he lets the receiver go past yeah, him. Yeah, he, he got beat on the cut. It's just awful that a veteran like that allows that to happen unless he doesn't understand the play because he wasn't paying attention in practice or whatever it is. No, he just – although it's real simple, he got beat. That's awful. You know, and, and he – and he's a guy that when you go back to early in his couple, first couple of years in college, he was a corner. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's been manned up before because Alabama plays a ton of, of man coverage, always has. He knows how to play man. Sure. That's no that, that's just a blown coverage on his part. Yep. And and you know that that's his fault. That whole play's his fault. He should have done a lot better job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, so you know when when we hear uh, my good buddy Dan Aguirre saying fire uh, Alan Williams, uh, d- doesn't the defensive coordinator assume some responsibility here? Because you know the guy is coaching it, Eddie. You gotta you gotta, or is it just on the player? Do you fire the player? Or do you fire the coach? Do, what do you do? I like that's on the player. He's covering the guy. He had, he had, didn't do a very good job. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, I, if you look at everybody else, everybody else is covered on that play. Mm-hmm. The one guy who's supposed, who's supposed to have Dobbs, Eddie Jackson, lets him go right across his face. Yeah. It's a poor job on, on his part. Yep. Everybody is covered. There's no doubt about it. Maybe the guy – Look at look at the rest of it. Everybody is covered. The guy who blew the coverage was, was Eddie Jackson. So, you know, it's easy to say, oh, it's the coach's fault. Well – the coach doesn't play the game. So who did the coach blow the coverage? No. The player did. The one the one pushback I'll have for you there, uh, Greg, is you know, sometimes players tune out coaches because they just don't know how to communicate effectively with that brand of players. You know that some players are visual learners, some are auditory learners, some like to be kissed in the ass, some like to be kicked in the ass, and so forth. And so if you have coaching staff, and I'm not saying it's a defensive corner, but a position coach who isn't figuring out a way to relate to the player to get 100% execution and consistency, then it's the coach's fault. Well, I, I, I can't answer that. I, I don't disagree with you, but I can't answer it because neither one of us has been sitting 
in a in a meeting room with them, mm-hmm. uh, listening to how and it's not the defensive quarter, it's it, it's the DB coach, and then sure. you really got a safety and a corner coach. John Hope is is the main secondary coach, and he's very very good, but he mo- mostly coaches the corners, and the other guy coaches the safeties. And who blew the coverage? The safety. Who had a weak game overall? The safeties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. There's no doubt about it. And part of it can be attributed to, uh, you know, Brisker missed the last three weeks mm-hmm. um, b- because of a groin injury. And so he wasn't getting the reps. Doug wants to know your uh, opinion on the Bears rushing just for not blitzing against this stout offensive line that the Packers have. You know the defi- I, already, I already answered that one, I think, about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, you but know, you know the, said- the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over again and not getting the same results. You're not getting there with four-man rush. Why, why not? I, I, I agree with you. I You know, most good pressure defenses send guys a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they mix it up. They make it difficult on the offense. And it, it's sound scheming. Okay, this philosophy is send four, and then you got seven in coverage. Uh, now, I got it when they're playing against Aaron Rodgers because you need as many guys as you can because he's going to, you know, he's going to find that tiny little window and throw a perfect ball. But in this guy, his first start, pressure the shit out of him. That I that that part is on the coach. Yeah, because it, it's the game plan. But part of that, you know, it's on Flush too, because he's got to sign off on the game plan. Absolutely. My good friend Robert Trader, who is a Packers fan, says this game was won in the trenches. The Bears couldn't generate a pass rush while Love had a clean pocket all day. Why wasn't Love blitz more often? He makes the biggest start of his life to this point with a lot of pressure on him. They didn't even try to confuse him. And that's that, That's what bothers me. I mean, that's that's Bear football. It's the pressure to quarterback, confuse the quarterback, sending guys. I mean, that's not even Bear football. That's elemental football. And for the first time in my life, I am questioning Alan Williams and this coaching staff because – Part of it is because of the grand disappointment I've, I faced, uh, I, I am in right now. And the secondly is that everybody's been telling me this stuff and I've been, you know, giving the coaching staff the benefit of the doubt. Now that's th- that doubt is starting to weigh. Uh, well, I, I, I can't argue with you and I can't disagree with you. I, you know, I, I've been saying for two years, I think they need to pressure more using the linebackers. And I thought one of the, you know, when they signed, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I thought that was one of the reasons why you signed Tremaine Edmonds is because you know he can pressure. It's not like you're going to do it every play. You pick and choose. Absolutely. Okay, and if you're using a sub package, so you got five DBs and two linebackers in there, you can send Edwards or you can send Edmonds. Hell, you can drop Edmonds in in into coverage and, and bring one of your safeties. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Uh, they play that game too vanilla. Yeah, I think is is the best way to put it. And, and I didn't like it. Now, I not only do the players get critiqued today, but the coaches do too. Yeah, good. <laughs> okay, I mean, and and, and, and well. Some of it comes from Flus, but it comes from, from Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, I could speak from when I was there. And 
you know, they're, they might, they're going to probably do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. But the day after a game, Jerry and I watch that tape meticulously and we take notes. Mm-hmm. And then we'd meet with the coaching staff. <clears throat> coaching staff met with the players. We met with the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, Caesar has an interesting question. He is, when does the head coach step in and change the OC and DC game plan? It isn't quite like that, right? They, um, don't they work together on developing the plan? Or if Alan Williams develops it first, that uh, everything, as you just said, actually, Iberflus uh, is looking at the plan and approving or saying, well, questioning, well, why don't we blitz more or whatever? If this isn't just Alan Williams presenting the plan and, and immediately Iberflus rubber stamping. I've always thought that, that he's got a, a say in it, but I, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. Okay. You know, he should. Uh, so uh, especially because that's his forte. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he should be involved. You know, Brian DeBall is the, the head coach of the uh, the New York Giants. He's not the offensive coordinator, but guess who calls the plays? Mm-hmm. Brian DeBall. You know, at, at, and Matt LaFleur calls the plays for Green Bay because that's his strong point. Right. And, right. and Flus became a head coach because he – was a very successful defensive coach. Mm-hmm. So I think he should be more involved. Again, he may be really involved. I, you know, we, we don't know exactly what goes on. Yeah. But from the outside looking in, he's not involved enough. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they win the game and the offense puts up another 120 yards for the offense, you're saying, well, that was great. But, hey, there was, there was blown assignments. And and again, I have to look at the the all twenty two to see why um, certain guys weren't open. Like Chase Claypool, he was targeted twice, and the one you know that might count as a drop, and that ball got tipped. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it you know got hit by the defensive end, and then changed direction of play. So I, I, that one's that not was- on him. And if he had caught it, it would have been about a five yard loss. Yeah. You know, so he was better off having dropped it. But why wasn't he? Why wasn't he targeted more? I I don't have the answers yet. Yeah, it was very strange. And then on one play, Claypool didn't show much of an effort in a blocking downfield. That's true. So he's getting a lot of heat about that. Does he really care? Is his head in the game? Well, that, that, I I don't agree with stuff like that. That that, that you know that. That stands talking because of disappointment. But if they felt it was a low meeting the coaching staff, he's going to know about it. Uh, Jordan Love's performance, 15 out of 27, 245 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, was sacked just once. You know, in the first half, I thought Jordan Love missed probably three or four passes that he should have because of inaccuracy. He missed, and I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, this is exactly what I've heard from some Packer analysts is that his accuracy is awful, and in the second half, he turned it around and hit just about everything that needed to be hit, and the play calling was perfect for him, and of course, and I'm, I'm talking about both sides of the ball, the Bears defense right, right, play calling right, right. and the offensive play calling for the Packers. <laughs> Your assessment of Jordan Love? Uh, I, I thought his first half was very average. They, the game was for the taking, and um, he played a lot better. 
I think a lot of it had to do with the ground game took off too. Yeah. And, and then, uh, uh, then he, then he played good and they had, you know, you had the big play by Jones when, um, I guess you got to say that, uh, uh, TJ Edwards blew the coverage. He just got flat out beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it turned into a big play because the, the whole center of the field was, was empty. You know, it was a good play concept too, but, uh, um, I think that changed. And then you had the, uh, you had the two turnovers, which mm-hmm. didn't help, you know, the, the, the fumble by fields and then the interception. And the interception was a horrible interception. I mean, that was just a piss poor read on his part. It really was. Aside yeah. from that, I, you know, I didn't have a lot like, without seeing the all 22, a lot of all, you know, negative things to say about him. Um, his accuracy in the last eight minutes of the game was all, even on short passes. And I think and now part of that was, you know, that, that game was over at that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. and for whatever reason he just i mean even the short stuff he he was off well yeah. look at a plus roshan johnson's a motherfucker now yeah <laughs> he had uh five carries for 20 yards all of them in the i think the second half for sure and uh, most of them in the fourth quarter he had a touchdown I will say this, that uh, we need to, you know, Rashawn Johnson looks the part, but he did come in in a part where the Packers were guarding more against the pass, and so he had room to run. But he plays with second and third effort, which is outstanding. And I didn't think the Deontay Foreman, although his numbers aren't very impressive, I thought he played hard. Uh, yeah, the, the I agree. The big disappointment was Khalil Herbert, in my mind. Yeah, well, I, you know, to me, Herbert isn't special. Right. Yeah, I mean he's he's got to have the hole. Uh, he did a good job with that screenplay on second play of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was good. It was a good run. He ran physical. Uh, after that, he was average. Okay. And I don't disagree with you about Foreman. I thought Dante Foreman kind of jumped out a little bit and did some mm-hmm. good things. I wouldn't be a bit surprised that you're going to see. Foreman and Roshan get more snaps this coming game. Yeah, I agree with that. We might start to see the uh, playing time of Khalil Herbert start to dissipate a bit. Now, you know, one of the things that Danny Shimon said, and he actually said this prior to the game, he predicted the Bears were going to lose the first three games. But by the time uh, November rolls along, that this team was going to be firing on all cylinders and winning a lot of games. He just felt like with everything that has happened in preseason, with the injuries to so many people, and you got different players, and basically the, this was a preseason game for the Bears with for their starters because they had not played together, that things we're just going to start slow and so going to Tampa Bay with the heat is going to be a tough win and then of course Kansas City is going to be a tough one so he predicted 0 and 3 but that things would start to look much better I'm, I'm I'm actually starting to take some solace in that because I understand that it takes a while for a team to generate some mojo your thoughts on what Greg, uh, Danny said you know I, I've given that thought already and because you got to, I you know, I'm always trying to look at some some positives. Mm-hmm. And a perfect example is Detroit last year. Mm-hmm. They lost 
six out of their first seven games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, and we're terrible. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it came together. And, and when you look at that roster coming together and the Bears roster coming together, there is similarities. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now let's fast forward this week, Tampa. Tampa, I watched all that game. Tampa does nothing for me. Minnesota sucks. <laughs> okay. I love I love to hear it is. You're making yeah. me feel better already, Greg. <laughs> Minnesota is a, is a lousy football team. Uh-huh. Tampa isn't much better. Now, their defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they got two big monster defensive tackles that, that, um, Vita Vey, he's going to give anybody a hard time. You know, if there's one day you want a Tevin Jenkins, it's next week because you can, there's going to be at least part of the game, depending on, on where their, their tackles line up, that he's mm-hmm. going against Vita Vey and he's going to, it's at worst going to be a standoff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but, and Davis should, play fairly well against they I don't think Cody can you know um you know they're playing um the kid from from Pitt um uh, now as as they're three I didn't watch it close enough to see if they're rotating him or not and he's you know he's not very big he's 275 280 pounds maybe he's 285 now but he's really quick and explosive so you know he can he can be disruptive um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that one goes next week. Games in Tampa, they're coming off a win. Um, it's going to be 90. Hell, it's been 90 here. Most of the last. <laughs> Very true. Good point. Uh, okay. So, uh, the difference is going to be human. Know what you do. I mean, you know, I know, what, I know the strength coach well. And Jimmy's going to have, you know, starting Wednesday, you start, you overhydrate, you know, you get your players ready. Um, and, and so when you get down there in that heat, because what happens if, if you have a, you're not properly hydrated, that's when you get pulls. Right. Pulls aren't necessarily because you overexerted a muscle area. It's because you don't have enough fluids in your body. Right. And so, um, and, and Jimmy is, is on top of that. It, still, it's on the players to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, you gotta, you got to properly hydrate, and that's got to start on Wednesday. So that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're, they got a, you know, a good storage of fluid in their body and good fluid, not beer. And um, <laughs> the good stuff, not beer. <laughs> <laughs> and then go down there and play the game. Uh, Don Burr, our resident Detroit Lions fan, says, Greg is being a homer. Minnesota and Tampa will smoke the Bears easy. You want to say something to Don Burr that I haven't already said? Like, fuck you. (laughs) Did you watch the game, Don? (laughs) No, Don was watching the Bears game and having a good time. (laughs) The the game that was on before the Bears game, it was on on Fox. Yeah, I think it was on Fox. No, Mm -hmm. it was on CBS, I think. Uh, but I watched most of that. I can say most of it. I switched to um, the other game a little bit. But for the most part, I watched the Minnesota game. And, and neither team, Baker Mayfield, got a little hot in the second half. Mm-hmm. 
but that's because Minnesota didn't pressure them at all. Yeah. I mean, there was like one really good throw that Baker Mayfield had, and that's it. Yeah. Coach T, who is the new co-host of our After the Game show, Bear Football, says the problem next week is Todd Bowes. He is brutal with blitzes. You Damn know Todd straight. very well. Go ahead. Yeah, you know I, Todd I very know well. Todd very, very well. I've worked mm-hmm. with Todd. I've known him for, God, 20, 25 years. Um, there's, now, there's a defensive coach that runs the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, but he uh, he will pressure. He will find ways to pressure this team and he's very good at it. He's one of the best in the league. So the offense has got to be ready for that pressure. You got to have some quick passes. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. All right. I think it is time to bring in my buddy, uh, my co-host from the Dan and Aldo bear their soul show. All right, Greg, I'm going to ask you something selfishly. I'm just going to take my headphones off here so I don't hear the echo. I always wanted to know, because you were in the Bears front office, back in the day, why did the Bears give up on Anthony Thomas so quickly? I know they signed Thomas Jones as soon as the free agency period had begun, but I always had these wet dreams of having them in the backfield at the same time, and I thought A-Train was a little underrated. You're talking to the wrong guy. I couldn't stand him. I didn't like that guy in college. When we got and he got drafted in the draft right before we came here. In other words, that draft was in April, and um, we came in June, like around the thirteenth, fourteenth of June. And really, I hated the first two Bears picks for you know the Michigan receiver, Terrell. and then and yeah, and then uh, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. Because Jerry's working for Tampa, I'm working for New York, and we're at the Michigan Pro Day. Pro Day, and Terrell was the biggest fucking diva I have ever seen in my life. And I said to Jerry, "I said, hey, big dog, aren't you glad we're not going to have to deal with this guy?" And I'm, you know, I'm not thinking that we're going to be working together, you know, two months, two and a half months later. He goes, "Somebody's going to take him, and they're going to have to worry about him because he's going to be a wash." And as far as uh, uh, train, I thought he's really stiff, especially real stiff in the hips. He's too upright. I'm going back shit 20 years now, better than 20 years. So it's a long time, but um, stiff in the hips, upright runner, not real shifty, very strong. And he had a burst. And there were some other issues that I'm not going to say publicly i'll tell you off the air but uh i'm not going to tell you on i just man the old one anthony train uh, anthony thomas running the ball pounding the ball that that i loved it i wish we could see some of that in today's current bears team and if we can shift to that i don't know if you could hear it on the tv copy where i was at the game yesterday the whole fourth quarter the stadium was inundated with go pack go go pack go even when we're leaving the stadium, the, the guy playing the drums for cash is in, in coat. He's doing the drums so they can say, go pack, go as we're leaving. So it was like, it was, it was immensely disappointing. And the feeling in the stadium was like, why don't the bears try to throw the ball? Like when the, the team came out, I'm telling you fields got the biggest pop of anyone in the bears uniform. But by the second half, everyone around us was saying, why don't they just bring Peterman in? I, was he exposed yesterday? Do you think that this was the beginning? Like, is my jersey going to be obsolete soon? 
Well, I, I, I think you're a little too soon on that. And I'm being honest here. I can't answer with a good answer, be it a positive answer or a negative answer, until I see the game tape, you know, and study and say, okay, he, this guy was open and he missed him or whatever. Because without seeing that, you don't always see that when you're watching the game on TV because you don't have a wide enough angle. So uh, was it Green Bay's coverage or was it Justin Fields not seeing some things? I don't have the answer, you know, and, and until I watch that, that other stuff. But I'm, I'm not sure as hell not ready to, to um, you know, kiss him off and say, okay, well, we're going to have to hope that we got the first or second pick again next year so you can take one of those quarterbacks. Um, and, hell, you might go um, – Coach Prime, his kid may end up being the third quarterback in this draft. That kid's starting the you know, first year of major college football. This will be his third year. He's eligible to come out. He might be one of the top three quarterbacks in the country. Tangibly, it, it felt yesterday that there was no – even when they got the ball back late before the, the, the final possession of the first half, it just felt like there was no sense of urgency. And it, they just felt so flat. And I I'll, guess the I'll agree with you on that. And, and that's, that's on the coaches and the players. The players got to have that, that feeling, you know, that hustle feeling. And why they didn't, I don't have an answer, but I'd be damn concerned about it. I am that it felt like just the prevailing thought it was like, it's the same old shit. Like if, yep. if this wasn't the day that we could finally beat Green Bay, then when is? I mean, it's nine straight now. When when does the reign of terror end? It just feels like <laughs> r- right now they're not aggressive enough. Like you were talking about what Todd Bowles is gonna do, juxtapose that with the Bears game plan. Regardless of who the quarterback is, they don't even attempt to get pressure. And it feels like, like that's a huge ailment to or it's conducive to them losing and it just feels like they they refuse to make any sort of adjustments well i know if it's me calling the defense and i'm going against baker mayfield i'm pressuring him all day because he's going to make mistakes if you pressure him but that's me you know can't and i don't think and and you know tampa's got a couple pretty good receivers but but they got a very average quarterback. Well, I don't even want to. I don't even want to complain about Mayfield. In Fields' first start, we were in the Cleveland game, and of course, it was Mayfield that beat us. And I look back at history too much. I get that, but it just feels like in my lifetime, whether it was Kaepernick or Brock Osweiler, every time that the Bears play a young quarterback, they just sit back in a soft zone and refuse to pressure them. And and then they wonder why. Oh well, Cap two hundred sixty yards on them. Well, th- th- there's something to that. But to. I mean, but when you're repeating history like that, you're really condemning a bunch of different coaches. Right. Well, Lovey seemed to be the last one that that had vigor with regards to saying that the rivalry mattered too. I remember Tressman saying it's just another game. It feels like that's what Eberflus was saying. Maybe that is something that resonates with the team then. And is that part of why they're flat? I mean, I know you don't know you're not there now, but it's just so discouraging as a fan when everyone is there and fired up and it just feels like they don't give a shit. Um, 
Yeah, you're, you're giving me questions I can't answer. And, and because I, I don't necessarily think it's the coach's job to fire up the players. It's the player's job to fire up the players. It's the captain's job to fire up the players. You know, it, it's like the, the players safe haven is the locker room. Coaches don't go in the locker room, but a lot can happen in the locker room. And that's where your leaders got to take over. And practice doesn't end at the, at the whistle. It's still going on in the locker room on how your leaders interact with your young players. They're the ones, you know, Tremaine Edmonds has, has been to the playoffs every year he's been in the league. Um, TJ Edwards has been in the playoffs most of the time and been to a Super Bowl. These guys are supposed to, uh, and Gakwe's been to the playoffs. These guys are the ones who are supposed to get those guys ready to play. You know, as far as having the teaching them how to be pros, how to be prepared, and how to go out and play the game the way it should be done. Could I ask you then in a hypothetical, because I know, like you said, you're not there now, so you can't exactly extrapolate that out and say what's happening. But if this were, say, 2006, seven, and your assessment was that they were coming out flat, which, again, is my opinion. I'm not trying to project that onto you. But if that was management's opinion, how would that have been handled then? Because, I mean, you got a coach that you respect and love but how do you convey that at the time if it looks troubling? Like, why is the team so flat right now? Like, how well, do you – you know, I can go back to that team because I was part of it and look at the leadership on that team. Throw, throw off the coaches. Look at the leadership of players on that team. You know, offensive line, you're John Tate, left tackle, was a little quiet. But between Garzo, Olin, and Reuben Brown, they could fire you up now. I mean, those guys were competitors. All three of them were really strong competitors. Um, on the defensive side, you had uh, Ottawale, you had Erlacher, you had Briggs, you had Alex Brown. You know, it, it's Tommy. You know, they were guys that were they're pros. You know, that's the best way to put it. They were pros, and they knew how to be prepared and help get the team prepared. The coaches do the X's and the O's. You know, it, it's – now, in college, you know, the coach could do some rah-rah stuff in his pregame speech, and and if you've watched Colorado at all the last couple games, especially the first game, they, they had – Dion mic'd up for the pregame speech and the, and the postgame speech and all that. But he's doing the college rah-rah stuff, and, it, and he's using the us against them. Nobody respects us. But that doesn't work in pro football. You know, question then, if you don't Go mind. ahead. From the era, again, if you could shed some light, what, what do you think the Bears let Barry and walk? Was it just simply money? But I felt like – you know, we always. I think about- that was money. I don't. I don't remember that much about that, but I think it was money that we weren't. And, and if you notice, he didn't do shit after he left here. He, he had, his best years were here. 
though, on Sunday Night Football, which, you know, it's just so typical. Robert Brooks had one, too, in 95. But, but Bernard, I like Bernard, but I, I think it, it's got to be a money thing. I don't remember the exact thing. I don't know where we were on, you know, in the cap and stuff to go back and say this is that. But I know money was part of it. You know, what's he worth versus what's he want to get paid? All right, my last old school question for you then. If I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything. No, you're not. Uh, the 08 season, if you can recall, that, that they brought Rex back in a one-year deal and they had Orton. This is the year prior to the color trade. Why do you think it was just so such a foregone conclusion that uh, Orton's, the, Orton's the man, KO's the starter? I, I just like, if you're going to bring Rex back, I felt like that was your first round pick. Why not give him one more shot as opposed to giving that whole season to Orton? Rex had one start in 08. Rex is probably, and, and Aldo and I have talked about this, and nobody ever talks about it in the media, but it's a hundred percent fact. And Rex shattered his ankle in that preseason game at St. Louis. Okay, and you know he wasn't a big guy, just over six feet tall, and he had short arms, so. When he was coming over the top, he's, he's still got a low release point. When he shattered his ankle, and, you know, I've, I've said, you might not have heard it, but I've said it to Eldo. He had, remember the, the racehorse Barbaro? Yes. And, and Barbaro, they had pictures of Barbaro's leg after they put in, a, like, 14 screws. And I remember they, you know, they showed the x-ray. They had it on, like, in USA Today and everywhere and showed it on TV. I said, I remember saying to people, that's what Rex's ankle looks like. He had a gazillion freaking screws in his ankle because it was shattered so bad. And because of that, you know, his flexibility in his ankle was terrible. And he had no lateral agility. And part of his game was being able to slide. In, you know, in, in, in the pocket to find, because he's a shorter guy and to find the, the open lane to, to get the ball out of his hand. And when he lost that, because he had a very quick release, he had a very strong arm, but when he lost that lateral ability, that was his game because of the, you know, the other negatives that he had with his height and stuff. So I think that, and, and part of it too was Pep was here then, uh, as the quarterback coach and Pep and Pep and I are good are close. He thought that Rex lost his enthusiasm when he lost his game. So, you know, it was Kyle wanting the job and having the ability to get the job done. And you look at Kyle's career, you know, personally, I thought, I was against the Cutler trade. I thought Jerry gave up on, on Orton too quick. But I know at the end of the last season, he just thought that, you know, the previous season, so that would be the uh, 08 season, 19, he, he just thought that Orton didn't – Orton wasn't going to get you over the hump. But then when you see what Orton did when he went out to Denver, he played pretty damn well. So, but that's my opinion. Well, let me ask you your opinion on the current Bears then. If for someone like me that just – I was really, really down after the, the preseason game with 
uh, the third one with Buffalo. And everyone was telling me, oh, no, no, it's just a preseason. Don't be a meatball. Don't be a meatball. It's just preseason. But everything I think I saw in the preseason game manifested yesterday. The defense was flat. Edmonds out of place, biting on screens that he shouldn't. And the offense, like, Fields just looks – I don't know. It looks like there's no improvement, but I'm just a fan. I, I guess what I'm asking you to do is, is be my therapist now and tell me why there's, there's still hope. Yesterday was so you, you bad. Got, you, you, got a, you got a couch to lay on? Yes, right here. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. This is demoralizing. Like, not even just. I'm not because I was at the game. Even if I was watching on television, like, like I, like I said earlier, and I don't agree with David Hall much, but I did on that. And it wasn't necessarily anybody's fault, but injuries. Guys didn't play. Didn't play together. Get a chance to play together. Didn't get a chance to practice together. And all those out the other day, their preseason was yesterday. That's the first time that, that that whole group played together on both sides of the ball. So, um, I say, I, I to me, it's never as bad as it seems. And when it, and if they would have won by twenty, it's not as good as it seems. You know, there's there's always going to be some bad in there. Um, I'm hoping, and, and that's all you can do is hope, is that this is going to be similar to Detroit last year. Detroit was one and six after seven games last year, and then they took off. You know, so this team's got to come together, but at the same time, they got to play with a lot more intensity than they did yesterday on both sides of the ball, and that's on the players. The players got to come out ready to play. I do agree, agree strongly with what you said earlier. Like Johnson came out and was on fire yesterday. I, he had intensity and as a rookie in his first game. He and even Foreman, I agreed with that too. We were saying at the game, like, man, it just feels like Herbert's just kind of there, and the other two guys are pounding the rock, you know, and running hard. Like I agree. Well, they, they you know what they want to play. Yeah, that they, they want to play, and the other guys like, well, I'm you know I'm the number one. Now, I could be throwing a dart at the wall on that one. But like that one particular play when, when Roshan ran over the guy. That I mean, how often do you see a, a running back do that? I think one of the last times I saw that was freaking Earl Campbell doing it to Isaiah Robertson. And that was, what, what 35, 40 years ago? You're right, right. <laughs> it's probably closer to 40 years ago. I mean, that was a freaking hit now. Jordan Howard had a couple of carries like that where he would thunder yeah. over people and then his yeah. going afterwards. But <laughs> his ass was the only weird. problem is when you have a running style like that, your career's short. Right. But hey, right. make, 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 the, make the most of it. That's why people don't want to give running backs a second contract. You, you going back though, one more thing on Anthony Thomas. You don't think that, in your opinion, that he couldn't have been in the, like the backfield at the same time with Thomas Jones? They had one year together. I thought that that would have been explosive. Well, it, it's you got two running backs and no fullback, you know. So you'd have to. I mean, that gets bad down to who your offensive coordinator is and how you're going to design your plays. But you, like I say, you got two. I just RBs. knew them. Tyler and Roger Craig 
Like oh, well, yeah, but Roger Craig was a fullback, could play fullback. Right. Okay, and and now I got all the respect in the world for Thomas Jones. And um but Thomas and he, I, I I remember uh, you know we're in our draft meetings and our director of player personnel, Marv Sunderland, who's no longer in the league, he loved Thomas. And I said, he stinks. You know, he might have a year that's good, and that was it. And that's exactly what happened. I Because I, you know, and I had a number of reasons, but I thought he ran tall, he was stiff. And the stiffness was, was the biggest thing. It, you know, no flexibility in his hips at all. It's like he had two-by-fours nailed to his hips. Hmm. And um, and it was so obvious to see uh, he did a good he had good instincts, but at the same time, he didn't have the hip flexibility to necessarily go where the instincts wanted to tell him to go. Does that make sense? It does. It does. But when we get off the air, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Oh, I'm really looking forward to that. So okay. uh, I'm going to keep going then off, off an old school question. I apologize for that. So. Why do no, you think okay. it's, is it strictly lovey then like wanting to move on with Thomas because they just trade him to the Jets for nothing? It felt like almost uh, like they- yeah, Lo- lovey lovey wanted Benson. That was lovey's draft pick. Uh, I think part of it was a Texas thing, and you know w- when they came here, there was a you know some of it was public, some of it wasn't. The players were big Thomas Jones fans because Thomas Jones was your, was a pros pro. He worked hard, didn't say a whole lot. And I mean, he was in, in training camp. He'd be in the weight room right after practice, every freaking practice. Cause that's what I used to go work out. So I'd see him. So I know he was, you know, you'd see him there and, and it wasn't just a little five minute workout. He was working his ass off. But that guy wanted to be a great football player. Um, when they drafted said, the the players were like, we're not going to let Thomas lose his job to this guy. He's a rookie, and, and you know Thomas is a great pro. It's like they wouldn't even block for said. You know, and, and then in in training camp when we had nine on seven and stuff, and there was a lot more hitting back then than there is now, the defense would knock the shit out of said when he got the ball. I mean, it wasn't, it was like, it was like a real game when he, when he got the ball. And and there was times that scuffles broke out because they, they targeted said to beat the piss out of him because they didn't want him to play. They wanted, it had nothing to do with his talent and everything to do with them wanting Thomas Jones to play. And then we were training the Jets for nothing, literally nothing. Well, he's a running back. I mean, what do you, and at that point, he had played, what, six, seven years in the league? Yeah, but he still had some years left. Though, no, you know? no question. And that made him a, a freak of nature. And part of that was, was, you know, the way he took care of himself and, and his, uh, you know, his guts, his training ability, and everything else. But when you look at it from a perspective of what's a running back with that kind of experience and that many carries worth, you know what I mean? That the, Their value 
diminishes. Don't forget, you know, when, when Thomas came out, he was a bust. Oh, yeah, now he's on I recall. Yeah, but I, w- whether it was his fault, who knows? He resurrected his career here. One more old school question. I keep saying that, but I asked Thomas this actual same question, so I'll get your opinion. I loved Rex, if you could already tell by me talking about him so much. But I felt it in Miami with the rain. For whatever reason, he was just not having a good game. And you can't worry about his feelings when you're talking about a Super Bowl championship that's tangibly in your grasp still in the second half. I asked Thomas Jones, if Lovey puts Greasy in, do you think the Bears win the Super Bowl? And he kind of agreed. He didn't acknowledge Brian, but he said that the game was too big for Rex. So I'll ask you, do you think if Lovey puts Greasy in, the Bears win that game? You know, I, I, I don't have the answer to that. I know, but it was later on. It wasn't that year. Um, that Greasy and Turner had a big falling out. And I'll tell you what game it was. The game was the, the game at Philadelphia. He, he led the comeback like 98 yards. Yeah, the comeback, and he's claiming the, the mic doesn't work in his helmet. Right. Bullshit. It worked fine. He just wow. wanted to call. He wanted to call his own game. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the fact. And that's Turner incredible. was pissed. Oh, he still hit Muhammad for the game-winning touchdown. That was that was a great great comeback. <laughs> but it was um, he lost all credibility, and he wasn't here the next year. Right, he and he threw four hundred on us in eight. By the way, he he lost all credibility with the coaching staff that day. Wow, I never knew that story. But it's it's so funny. We mentioned Benson. Benson has a career day against the Bears in 09. Greasy has a win with Tampa in 08. Feels like everyone has a revenge game against the Bears. Or maybe <laughs> but the Bears never have the revenge game against Green Bay or anyone. Like, when do we get our revenge game? You know? Right. I'll be patient. All right, I'm gonna take I know it's hard. I'm sorry, I'm running out of gas here. I apologize. I'm going to. I have to. Now you're echoing big time. All right. Is it is it better now? No. It's worse. Can you mute your computer? I'm working on. I don't know where the mute is on this MacBook. Right there. All right. Should be gone, right, guys? It's gone. All right. Um, I'll bring uh, you and Greg and talk after the show. I want to do the last 15 minutes and answer some of the questions that have been posed by our. People in the live audience, Vizzle Man asks, how much does the quarterback not being selected by the current general manager go into the plans of the current GM? Seems we keep having GMs that have a quarterback from the last regime. What say you, Greg Gabriel? Well, by the moves Ryan Poles has made, mm-hmm. he's bought into Justin Fields. But it's got to be Justin's part now, and Justin's got to play. Mm-hmm. So with that as the follow-up question, one of the moves that Ryan Poles made for Justin Fields' benefit was the right tackle, Darnell Wright. I know you haven't seen the All-22, so you, you don't have the benefit of that, but based on what you saw from the TV copy yesterday, how do you assess his play? Except for that one play that didn't count, I thought overall he played pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that's encouraging. I mean, and, and that tackle that he made of Quay Walker 
at the goal line. It was still ruled a touchdown on the uh, uh, turnover. But when he hit Quay Walker, I was surprised that Quay Walker got up. Now, Quay Walker got up only because his teammates helped him up. He was gone. He, got he, a concu- he, he had a concussion from that hit. Oh, my goodness. Well, and so I, I take some uh, – not that I want to see anybody hurt, but just the hustle by by Wright uh, to get that lick in was, was nice to see. Uh, Mark is expressing all of our frustrations here. And when do the coaches begin to be held accountable? We, of course, said earlier in the show, Greg, that it's players that are going to pay the price right now with either being waived or less playing time. Coaches are not going to be, you know, fired. Well, no, they're they're held accountable too. But it's a lot more private than than players are. Right. And so um, so that accountability hopefully is going on now. I, again, I know you're not at Hallis Hall, but it's not difficult to imagine that Ryan Poles is saying, uh, at least asking really tough questions of the co- to the coaching staff. Now, I had a, I, I'm going to read this. I had a little, just a little quick text with, with Ryan yesterday. Okay. And, um, you know, I just sent him a text, best of luck today and the rest of the season. He goes, thank you. I'm really excited to see what we have. And then you hit dot, 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 dot after yep. that. Yeah. Well, you know, so, and I, right after the game, I looked at that and I go, I wonder what he's thinking right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm hopeful that he's thinking, I know that next week what we have now will play a lot better than, than what we showed out against Green Bay. It's just, you know, so sad that it had to happen against Green Bay. Um, uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I get it. Because mm-hmm. Green Bay is the, the arch rival. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that could have been the Chargers. Chargers. It could have been Denver. <laughs> yeah. They didn't play good. Last year, they opened up against San Francisco. And granted, there was a torrential, torrential rainfall. But they played hard. Mm-hmm. We didn't see that yesterday. Yeah, exactly. We we did not. That that's that's the disappointing thing. Um, Homer asked, you know, Justin Fields play at quarterback. His style of play, how is that sustainable? I mean, you know, he again got licked a couple of hard times. I, I don't to, think if you, if you watch the way he played, I don't think there there was only one or two called plays for him to run. Right, and one was that was the quarterback draw, and he and it got hit for a loss. Um, he was running when he felt he had a run. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. is that sustainable? I mean, hey, anytime you take a hard hit, it can have an effect. But this isn't a little guy; that's a two hundred and thirty pound guy. Yeah, that's put together. And if you look at most quarterbacks, he's put together so much better than. 99% of the quarterbacks in the league, there's very few that are built like he is. Indeed. Uh, when the Bears acquired Lucas Patrick, you went back and looked at his Green Bay tape, and you said this guy can play center. Uh, unfortunately, he has not played at that level this season. King Booker World says, I'm sorry, but Patrick cannot be our center next week. Put the mullet in. Uh, he's referring to Dan Feeney. Or move Whitehair back and let Carter play at guard. Your thoughts, or, or you can put Feeney at left guard because Feeney's been predominantly a left guard. Exactly. Uh, uh, again, I got to look at the tape because I I don't know if if Patrick played good, bad, or indifferent. And yeah. I'm saying that very honestly. Sure. I, you know, I, I saw a couple missed blocks by Whitehair. 
Um, there is nothing about Patrick that that stood out one way or the other, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lucas Patrick is not going to get any free beers at a local tavern anytime soon. Uh, we uh, addressed this earlier in the show, but uh, we wanted to revisit it. Do you think the defensive pass rush was too conservative? Love had all day to throw, and it didn't seem like they want to get away from their system of just rushing four. Uh, any other thoughts that you want to share on that besides what we talked about earlier, Greg? No, I, I, I don't disagree. I, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you've got to create some pressure at times. Mm-hmm. You don't have yeah. to do it every pass down, mm-hmm. but you can create it in such a way as they don't know when it's coming. Mm-hmm. So that can, you know, fuck up the offense, so to speak. Sure. I know uh, when uh, Greg got to my house after the game, excuse me, when Dan got home to my house after the game, he complained about the officiating, and I heard a a couple of other complaints about the officiating. Frankly, I didn't see any terrible officiating outside of the very first a call of the game where they called the penalties on the Packers and then ended up being on the Bears and the Bears started their first uh, series inside their 10 or near their 10. What did you think overall about the officiating in the game yesterday? Yeah, that, it was, you know, par for the course. There was, there, was <laughs> nothing, there was nothing really bad. The Bears shot themselves in the foot. I mean, Flew said that coming out of halftime, mm-hmm. the penalties. You know, you, 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 that just that one series you just alleviated to. So instead of starting in the 20s, you're starting at, at, at the 10 yard line or 11 yard line. That changes your whole play calling scheme, you know, mm-hmm. for that set. And it just, you know, you can't have those stupid penalties that set you back or inopportune times. So the Bears have the first pick in the waiver wire. That uh, will happen on Tuesday, I believe, and announcements are made Wednesday. What is happening with the player, uh, pro player personnel department right now at Hallis Hall? How are they preparing for this first regular season waiver acquisition? It doesn't have to be a waiver acquisition. You can sign a veteran free agent now. It's a whole different – there's a lot of guys there that can play and help a team, but teams don't want to sign them. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. their salary's guaranteed if they're on the roster. Now mm-hmm. it's different. We're past the first game. Now you sign them, and it's week to week. So, you know, just from a cap standpoint, if, if, if you're signing the guy and he's not going to be a starter and a full-time player, why would you want to guarantee that salary? Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, we're guessing. I mean, did anybody get hurt bad? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, Kyler Gordon. Oh, uh, Kyler Gordon apparently suffered a hand injury. We don't know what the extent of that well, injury. Well, if it's a hand injury, he can play. Yeah. He can't Hopefully. catch, but he can play. Hopefully he can tackle. <laughs> um, I Jeff mean, it says, depends if it's up here. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if it's here, yeah, different story. Right. <clears throat> Getting to that uh, time. Yeah, get into that time. But the one hour and 15 minute mark is when those coughs usually start popping in. Jeff says that the discipline on the team was terrible. Um, you get a sense that there's some discipline issues on this team? I agree that the discipline wasn't good yesterday. Mm-hmm. I agree that 
there were some stupid penalties. And I've said all along for the last hour and 15 minutes, they didn't play with intensity. Right. There are certain individuals that did, but the team as a whole did not. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts that you have, Mr. Greg Gabriel, before we pull the plug on this uh, week one edition? I just hope it's a lot better conversation a week from today. It better be. I mean, even if it's a loss and it's a quality loss, and I hate to use that term, you know, because there are no participation trophies in the NFL, but I want to see the team come out, play harder, play smarter, play with gusto. And if they get beat, you know, by a team that just outmanned them, you know, then we can at least say we still need certain areas of the team to improve in terms of, you know, acquiring players. But the players that we have now, you know, we need to see better performances. And that starts at the quarterback position. I agree. All right. Uh, that's our show for today. Thank you, everyone, who had joined us. We had about 260 people uh, join us live and another few hundred on Twitter. This show will be available on demand, so let people know about it. Dan Aguirre and I will be back tomorrow night uh, at 8 p.m. Central. We'll talk about his adventures here in Chicago. We'll get uh, the pulse of the local media. I know that's going to be ugly and, and great. Oh, I, I won't even listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We do a media mashup, uh, uh, Greg. I'm gonna send you the media mashup. No, I, I, I won't. I refuse to listen because they go. These guys are negative to begin with, so then yeah. you give them something to go off on that, then they're fucking unbearable. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. So we'll do that and have some other fun. We got a special guest uh, on tomorrow night's show. Uh, so please join us live if you can't on demand. And the best way to stay on top of things is to subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel or subscribe to our audio podcast. Uh, Greg, don't go away. Uh, yep. And everyone else, so long. See